Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Option 5. Uh, my name is George Brooks, and as usual, we have Daniel Inhart, but we also have another guest with us today. It's Gabby. Hey. How, how are you, Gabby? Doing good. Doing good. 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 Are you? about the 12-pack of soda that I got, and it's been really eventful and exciting the past couple of days. So. I mean, we have to celebrate the little things, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Whether it's soda or, you know, calling the vet because dogs eat chapstick. I mean, you name it. We have to just latch on to those periods of excitement. That is right. That is right. Yeah. Well, um, just to give you a little bit of background, Gabby, Gabby, how long, Dan Dan would know. I'm terrible with dates. How long have you been at Crema? Well, now I kind of want to quiz Dan. (laughs) Dan, how long has Gabby been at Crema? I believe it'll be two years this coming December. For yeah. three years. Was it seven wow. December 17 or December of 18? 13th. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but, sure. but the year was, was 18? 18. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gabby is one of our application developers here at Crema, and she's been with us for a few years now and is awesome and is working on one of our very high-profile clients right now. And we wanted to take an opportunity to um, sit down and have a conversation with her. If you haven't already, we had a, we've had conversations with um, some of our strategists and, um, and then Mary, re- most recently, a product designer at Crema. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really excited to talk to you, Gabby, because not only um, I want to hear your story about how you got into to doing development and why, and, and then some things maybe about how we do, um, do things here at Crema. And then how that gets wrapped in this thing that we're now calling like a crema framework or something. I don't know. We, we still need to name it. We haven't <laughs> named it yet. Um, but, um, but also, I know that you've traveled a lot. And so thinking about now being in a, in a context of like working remote, but still close, you know, and mm-hmm. so I just want to kind of explore a few of those things today. Um, so let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you, how'd you get into development why and then and then maybe kind of the road up to crema if you will sure um so yeah i was always kind of like i feel like in retrospect i was always kind of working my way towards becoming a developer like i didn't know it at the time but i kind of um did everything you know adjacent to development so i did a lot of um end user support a lot of infrastructure for software that kind of thing um started out with a computer engineering degree had way too many credits and wanted to get out. So I got out with an information systems degree out of school, uh, was a sysadmin for a long time. And then um, about three, four years ago, I was sort of looking for something more creative to do, just spending so much time with software. Um, That was always a constant frustration, not being able to get into the code and like fix a bug that I knew was causing, you know, pain points for an end user, that kind of thing. Um, And then also just looking for like a creative outlet and a really active um, community. So um, yeah, I transitioned to development about three, four years ago. Um, And yeah, I I mean, I love it. And never looked back. No. (laughs) Gabby, remind me, I I hope I have this right. So there was an article, a blog that we wrote about um, female developers. And you mentioned in part of your history, uh, building or tinkering with computers as a kid. Is that right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So so my dad has always worked in tech. And so we had like a computer pretty early on and, and essentially 
um, he was pretty supportive of me breaking it all the time. So yeah. <laughs> playing around with like MS-DOS commands, that kind of thing, um, you know, trying to figure out how to get internet when my parents had grounded me or whatever. <laughs> like, which I can't imagine nowadays, you know, with kids, with mobile devices and all that kind of stuff. It's impossible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But back then you had to kind of like figure it out if you got your internet taken away. So, um, yeah, done a lot of that, done a lot of like HTML, CSS and, and tinkering with websites, that kind of thing for a long time. Awesome. So I know that we, um, you, we're realizing that we need to get better at making sure that we share all the things that we're sharing our podcast actually inside of our company as well. <laughs> um, it's, you know, we're learning. Um, but this rumbling of Chroma coming up with the framework, right? And us talking about just trying to put words and vocabulary towards what we've already been doing kind of naturally over the last, you know, eight years. And for you, the last um, couple of years. And I wanted to just dive in a little bit to... Um, maybe unpacking the, the elements of the framework, the uh, postures, disciplines, and structures. And, and as you kind of started to look at that and kind of start to hear that vocabulary creeping up, um, I guess first off, and then we can jump into some specific questions, but first off, what was kind of your gut reaction to like, Krema's creating a framework is, is how does it align with the way that we already are naturally doing things? Um, I'm being, I'm putting myself out at a little bit of transparent. Um, I hope, I hope it aligns a little bit, but I'd love to get your perspective on just how, how you've seen that approach as we start thinking about, again, these mindsets, these feelings, these postures, these disciplines, which are about what we do in our routines and our rhythms and habits, and then structures, which are those, like those things that are normally pretty consistent and solid. Um, I'll be re recently, they're all been thrown up in the air. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, what was your, what was your kind of gut response first? And then we can jump into some specifics on each of those. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, um, I did have a question of like what it means to sort of put in place, um, standards, right? Like, does that kind of stop you from being able to either innovate or, or find, um, the right solutions to, to the problem, you know, that you're currently working on. Um, but I think over time I've realized that like, um, it's sort of a way to pull out what's repeatable and mm. what works right within our culture. So I think um, it's a lot of that. It's almost like if we were to build like a crema franchise, right? Hand it over to somebody else. Like how could they be successful? What are the things that make us successful? So. Oh, I like that. I'm going to steal that. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's, that down. Yep. <laughs> that's how I think about the, the framework um, right now. It's sort of like, um, what is, what is the encapsulation of the things that make us crema and make us successful as crema? Yeah, good. Good, good, so good. what are, Gabby, on that, so if you had to name just two, just two that like, oh, this would have to be in the standard operating, you know, manual. Um, if for the crema standard, franchise. For the crema franchise. Which is what we're going to, yeah. we're going to just, that's the name, uh, the framework. It's the crema mm -hmm. franchise manual. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I am psychic. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So I, from my perspective, I'm probably going to call out the things that have impacted me the most. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, one is, uh, collaboration. So the idea of constantly working with everybody else and, and that brings along a lot of, um, trust, accountability, 
um, and also transparency, right? So like I see a lot of times us spending time together trying to figure out like what are our priorities as a development team? Like what are, what are we looking to improve or change? That kind of thing. Um, and then the other thing would be continuous learning. Like I, I feel like I've progressed as a developer so much more than I have anywhere else um, at Crema. And it's because like everybody really embraces the idea of continuous learning. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much support for it and you never have to worry about like saying, I don't know and being vulnerable um, because we all have each other's back in the process of continuous learning. And we're all very like empathetic and gracious with ourselves and each other when it comes to you know going through that process and going through all the emotions that come through that process and as a developer it's just constant it never stops mm -hmm. so um yeah so those are probably like the two biggest things that have impacted me as a developer what are as you start to think about um so i think there's some awesome things there especially around um uh, that's there you, you named several crema values in there as well so that was uh, fantastic um which by definition are, are structural because they don't change very often, but also drive at mindsets, right? That's that you have this mindset of con constantly improving, right? You have this mindset of wanting to collaborate the value of diverse perspectives. Um, what are some other disciplines that you find help you to do your work? Um, so things that either from a personal perspective are good just in the rhythm, rhythm of your day or your week, or from a team perspective that you value that the team has a, a discipline or a rhythm or a habit of doing something. What are some of those that help you as a developer to do th the best work possible? Sure. Um, on both of those fronts, on a personal level and as a team or, you know, as a craft team, even as all everybody, all the developers at Crema, um, I think uh, accepting feedback and reiterating constantly is, is huge. So creating that environment where there are channels for feedback, um, and then having those retrospectives of like, mm -hmm. uh, reassessing what's currently working, what needs to be tweaked, what can sort of make way for new things that will be better, you know? So, um, that feedback, that trust, um, is really important. And then yeah. for me on a personal level, as far as, um, disciplines, I've kind of realized that I need um, a lot of time to sort of marinate, right? So like I used to, well, I still am a procrastinator, but now I procrastinate early. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, so it used to be like this I like that. thing and I always thought it was something that I needed to change about myself. But I really think that like recognizing that I do my best work when I can sort of refocus on another problem that might, you know, I might learn something as far as a solution for the other problem that I'm working on. Um, and giving myself that time and space to sort of let my mind like, you know, do that work in the background of, of problem solving is, is mm -hmm. really important too. So yeah, I'm not, it's hard to change, you know, something like that, like being a procrastinator, but really like, I just needed to give myself more time. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something to that. And I think, you know, you could probably, I'm sure if I wanted to, I could go research and find a whole bunch of different articles to support this idea scientifically, but I don't have any right now. But um, I feel like- I Just I, say it with confidence. Dan. That's right. That's right. Is- People, no. And you know, people are like, oh, I got that. How did you think of that? Well, I was, I was doing something else mindlessly. You know, I was, I was mm -hmm. in the shower or I was mowing the lawn or 
I was on a run, I was on my bike or whatever. And then it's like, oh my gosh, okay. It's almost, I like how you said that you're processing back here. Mm-hmm. Um, how you, you know, termed procrastinating early, which I really like that. Um, but it's really marinating. You're going to something else, working on something else, but that problem is still there and it's somewhere in your brain and you're working on it. And then it, it comes to you at a later time. Um, I've, I've found that true in my life, honestly, you know, the whole thing of like, let's sleep on it, I think is the same thing. It's like, whoa, you're on a tough decision. Well, let's sleep on it. And you come back the next day you know, refreshed and, you know, hopefully after breakfast or whatever, and you, your mind opens up. So I like that. I affirm that. (laughs) (laughs) Gabby, give me some examples of the the type of projects you're working on right now. I know you can't go into specifics of the clients or maybe the, the particular, but if you could break down kind of the, the pieces of what you're doing, what is a, what does a typical day look like for you? Yeah, um, I've been working on the same client the entire time I've been at Crema. Um, Three different projects for that client, and they're mostly sort of business consulting solutions. Um, And so they've all been React front ends and then with varying tool sets and varying back ends as well. Um, So, yeah, typically, I mean, we're, you know, the typical Crema team is going to be a designer um, however many developers are allocated, and then um, a test engineer and a product manager. Um, so that's sort of my day-to-day is, is coding, yes, but also you know prioritizing um, with everyone else and having those discussions with everyone else to kind of um, flesh out like what does this feature need in terms of the code, what are we prioritizing next, um, and doing that as a group as well. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you interact with the client? So for us being an agency, it's a little bit different than maybe if you're in an in-house product team because you might have some of those same roles. But then we all said this like client is involved. How do you do you personally interact much with the client um, directly, and in what capacity? What does that look like on um, a daily or weekly basis? Yeah, we definitely run into decisions that we need um, the client input on, right? And we do have direct access through Slack or we have like weekly or bi-weekly meetings where we get that opportunity to have those discussions with the clients. Um, and we kind of, we tend to do that as a, as a group or at least in an open space. That way everybody kind of sees that communication and is on the same page as far as, you know, where we're headed. Um, so that's super helpful to have that direct um, interaction with the client. Real quick, I have a, a. When you first started, was that part of the process already that we had uh, when um, sprint retrospectives with the client? Was that already going on? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. In my experience, the entire time. Okay. Um, is it different from the experience you had before you came to Crema? And just how has that? I can only imagine. I, I'm pretty sure when we first talked about it, because we didn't always do that. We probably started maybe four years ago. Um, inviting clients into that because we felt like they needed to see firsthand how the project was going. Um, it's transparent. Than, yeah, it was transparency. It was trust. And it was also so that we didn't have to make a decision. Oh, wait, we need to ask the client, then go ask them. It just took too much time. And so we brought them in. And I'm sure at first it was a little awkward and a little weird. It's like, oh, wow, the client is seeing completely behind the curtain. But I'm kind of curious to get your um, input on this of like maybe coming from where you were and then the crema, what was that level of transparency and trust like? Cause that's a big posture and discipline for us was to bring them into that rhythm. So I'm kind of curious your, your input on that. 
I've had um, prior experiences where we didn't have that level of transparency. And to be honest, what happens is I feel like everybody kind of gets siloed into their own little space. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes this thing too, like it's already so hard to understand the kind of um, workload that somebody else is dealing with or the level of effort that something that, you know, you don't have expertise in or, or day-to-day um, involvement in, you know, what is that level of effort there? So I think that level of transparency makes it so that everybody um, can be on the same page when it comes to, you know, where we're headed. And also it, it, it keeps you emotionally invested in where, mm-hmm. in where the product is going because you're, you're a part of the, the team helping create this product. You're not somebody who's, you know, kind of sideline and waiting for orders, waiting for like a top mm-hmm. approach. Um, it makes it so that you really do feel like you are a product, a, a part of building that product. And that's totally been my experience at Chroma because I really do feel like my contributions and my feedback, and I've seen other people's contributions and feedback be um, valued. And, and there's so much space that's created for that. So that's been a great experience for sure. What, awesome. what postures do you think if you start thinking about mindset, so you mentioned a couple of things where that's people's, people's perspectives are valued, but what do you think it takes to actually do that? Because I think a lot of companies really struggle where they go, yeah, yeah, everybody's valued, but like yeah. what mindsets or postures or attitudes do you have to have where you go, no, I really want to hear you. Right. I, you know, I really want to get it a actually lot. actually means something. It means something. What, right. I'm kind of curious if you have anything off the top of your head that, that drives to that outcome. Yeah, so um, for sure, trust, right? You're not always going to understand where somebody's coming from. Mm. And I don't think that should be a requisite for you to take their, their input and consider um, their feedback, right? So, so for sure, trust. Um, and then, um, so the, the other thing is creating those spaces, like really, really like mm-hmm. allowing those things, those spaces to happen, right? And having those feedback channels, Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so yeah, it, it just that amount of vulnerability and being able to say, um, we don't have to be always right. We can reiterate and we can make things better. We can make improvements and we can include everybody's voice. Um, it's, it's a huge amount of, of vulnerability, I think, to be able to, to do that in an effective way. Um, so yeah, being comfortable, I think with like a lot of discomfort and a lot of, um, yeah, I've had I've had moments where I've given feedback where I'm like, oh man, was that too rough? Was that <laughs> radical that, candor? Yeah. yeah. Was that like diplomatic enough? Did I like properly mm. get get across the message that I was trying to get? Like all that kind of stuff. And and I feel like it's always been um, respected as coming from a place of of you know caring about crema and making it better. And it sounds to me like specifically on the teams, and I think this is true across Crema, but I know, I know a lot of organizations, <clears throat> I, was, I was talking about these, these topics or kind of Crema's way of working at um, a local agile group. And uh, I had a couple of people that came up and there was like, that's impossible. You can't, the, the, a culture like that doesn't exist. And I was like, really? Yeah. You should come over and check it out. It actually is like that. <laughs> we'll give you a tour. What he was saying is like, yeah, yeah, we have trust. That's fine. But what, what he alluded to is that they don't have safety. And so they do trust each other. They expect that everybody's going to get their work done, but they don't have a safe environment to have those candid conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about your retrospectives or when you think about even the feedback that you've given, I- I'm curious, does it, 
do you feel like the, like you said, a space, you create the space is, do you think safety is a big piece of that, that people feel like there's, you know, the repercussions of maybe me being honest right now aren't going to destroy this, the, the initiative? Oh, totally. I know whenever I haven't spoken up about something that I, you know, had even strong feelings about um, in the past outside of Crema, um, I didn't do it because I didn't feel safe. Mm. Either I didn't feel like I was going to be heard um, or I felt like it was going to impact me negatively in terms of my career or my job at that place. Um, so yeah, safety is, is definitely um, a number one because it's, it's scary sometimes, um, mm. you know, giving, giving that feedback. And, and so um, yeah, I feel like uh, when I've, had to give that feedback um it's been accepted with like open arms and and totally like sometimes you you kind of like wait especially in the beginning when you start at crema and i know people have talked about this you kind of have this this little period of like okay but like when's the other shoe gonna drop like right 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 you know, like when's everybody gonna stop being polite and stop being real or whatever yeah <laughs> um but no it's it's like it's genuine and it just it takes a little while for your comfort level to get there, but it's mm -hmm. definitely, um, yeah, it's, it's always well accepted. And to your note about somebody saying that that's not possible, I've definitely had, um, a bunch of people reach out to me through Slack or through acquaintances and, and want to sit down with me and ask me, okay, like everything sounds cool, but like mm -hmm. what's really happening. Right. Um, so yeah, I've had those conversations with strangers and, and, yeah, I mean, it just it just reinforces um, for sure how much what we have is is I think doable, but also at the mm -hmm. same time very very special. Yeah. So I'm curious <clears throat> with the world that just got turned upside down, mm -hmm. right? Everything, um, a lot of things changed for a lot of people. Whether it's going to remote work or um, you know, there's the constraints on what was normal for us, um, both in our daily habit routines of, you know, grabbing our lattes or, you know, going out to eat or going into the office or whatever that is. Um, what do you think, I want to start kind of, we'll go in the negative, we're going to go to the positive, but what do you think of some of the more challenging things about the, the, the disciplines or structures that have changed more recently in the last three to four weeks, um, in the face of COVID-19, in the face of kind of a pandemic? What, what, what have you seen change in your day to day? Um, and then maybe if you want to kind of follow that up with what have you felt like, you know what, because of these certain disciplines, routines, um, or postures, that transition was relatively easy for us. Um, what, what's been your take on this situation on your end? Right. Yeah. I mean, working from home for me, like I, I miss going into the office and I miss seeing everybody and having those conversations with everybody, but it's, not much different than what I was doing before. Like I'm very used to working from home. So that transition was. And you worked at home quite a bit anyways. We had an environment or a policy allows you to do that, but you yeah. took advantage of that pretty often, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, usually like um, a minimum of two days a week, usually I was, I was working from home yeah. or I would go in, you know, for the second half of the day, um, just kind of like for that environment change. But yeah. yeah, I felt like I had to be in the office. Um, so yeah, so that transition for me has been pretty, pretty easy. Um, the thing that gets hard is the idea that you're not going to have those like random encounters. Mm -hmm. right? You're not going to have those like um, normal check-ins that you would normally have with people. So that type of communication has to become super intentional. 
um, which has been a, a big shift for me, especially because it's like, we're all kind of in our own little worlds right now. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like I have to make myself more visible. I have to make, you know, the progress on my work, even though we have um, such a great level of trust, like I have to make the progress on my work more visible. Oh, interesting. Yeah. For myself and for the client, because you're not, you know, I'm not walking over to our product manager and having a conversation mm-hmm. with her about, oh, this is what I'm working on. How's it going? That kind of thing. Right. So, so the communication has um, had to become super intentional, um, which to be honest with you is, is a good practice in any time, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's something for whatever reason, isn't, isn't super natural for me, um, especially when it comes to online communication. Um, so it's been kind of interesting with everybody being, being distributed. Um, but yeah, but I think it's, it's good practice and I think it's something that I'll continue, um, even when we go back to, to the norm of, of being in the office. I think that's really insightful, Gabby. I actually Mm -hmm. wrote that down of making the work and yourself more visible, um, just, it is, it's incredibly, um, it's frustrating and it's just kind of, um, not weird, but it, it's just weird to think that, yes, I am in this room by myself, my, my home office, which actually serves as a playroom as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it does make you feel, I mean, we're very, very connected. I mean, what we're doing right now is actually incredible. The fact that we can record a podcast um, and do video recording and uh, be able to do this. But um, there's just that you're missing that level of human to human interaction um, mm-hmm. that just gives your, I just feel like it gives your mind this level of like, I'm not as visible or I'm not as known. I'm not as seen as I used to. And so mm-hmm. having to go the extra mile for my team, but also my clients, but also myself, yourself to make hey, it's not like I'm proving to you I'm working. It's not like I have to prove because you know I'm working. But there is some level of there. Need, this needs to be visible either to celebrate, have knowledge, share understanding, share insights. Um, that's really insightful. I wrote that down. I think uh, as a company, we could dive into that a little bit more later. But yeah, that was good. I'm kind of curious, Gabby, what does visibility look like for you? Does that mean that you're trying to get something to a state where people can touch and feel it and actually use it? Or is it um, demonstrating something or using another tool to say, let me take snapshots or giving a report or what, what's visibility look like? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is just being more thorough um, when it comes to certain things like uh, pull requests, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like typically you can get away with just saying like, oh, this this new thing that I coded does this thing or whatever. Right. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, let me break it down for you. Like, these are the things that actually are involved in this. Um, you know, these are the things you should expect out of this feature, that kind of thing. Um, and, and including on our, on our JIRA tickets, like all of that. Right. So, so kind of like being more granular, I think when you do the work that you're completing. Yeah, I found the same thing. So as we've been working through, you know, our coaching services and some of the new thing, new products and stuff that we're working on here at Crema, it, it used to be I could just like spitball and 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 say a bunch of words and then maybe draw some things on a marker board and it was good enough and somebody would run with it. Um, now I feel like I want to take the time to sit down and go, no, they're going to need some time to sit on this and, and process it. And so I'll go into Miro and I'll try to like really, you know, articulate as much as I can before even sharing anything. Um, because, because they're going to need more time to process 
that naturally we would have been kind of able to brainstorm through, but I don't want to book another meeting right now, you know? So yeah, that's good. That's really, really good. And I wonder how much of that is a product of just like things quieting down for us all Mm -hmm. and allowing that space for that extra communication, right? That extra and those extra words really. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if I need to put out more extra words into the world. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not you, George. <laughs> yeah, maybe Dan can do more of that. So there you go. Um, there you go. Um, okay, so what do you what do you view right now as one of the biggest challenges that as a developer, um, you know, in the current world that we live in, what what's the biggest challenge that you're kind of dealing with or or working through right now? Yeah, uh, I think it's 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 really what we kind of just talked about. It's the idea of of maintaining those relationships. Like, how do you um, in some way, some organic form, um, create those random encounters, right? Mm -hmm. How do you uh, stay connected and visible um, through this new kind of distributed Mm -hmm. world on? Um, Yeah, so that's, for me, that's definitely been the biggest challenge and I'm having to learn a lot um, through that. Um, Because like I said, it doesn't exactly come natural for me. I I feel like some people, um, Mm -hmm. you know, can sort of uh, do that a little bit easier than I might be able to. So yeah, that's been, that's been a huge learning process for me for sure. And then um, kind of maybe wrapping up a little bit. It, actually, I was thinking about, I was trying to ha- figure out how to bring it. I had a buddy of mine um, text me today and I feel a little bit out of the loop because it used to be that I was close enough to development or even dabbled in it myself. I'll be in a very bit, little bit um, <laughs> that I could point people towards resources um, if, if someone is in a position right now where their world's just been turned up that upside down and they have a lot of free time and they want to learn how to jump in and actually maybe start to learn about development, mm-hmm. uh, where would you point them? Actually, I literally got this text this morning and I haven't replied back to him because he said, Hey, hypothetically, someone's <laughs> looking to get into development. Um, what, where would you point them to start? Um, what, what, what advice would you give? And I know that you do this already because you, you mentor and work with a lot of people, but what, what advice would you give to get started? Yeah, so this is one of the things that I get super excited about. Um, so I think that one of the biggest things you can do for yourself, um, especially in terms of transitioning career or learning a new skill set, is to just commit yourself. Um, for me, that's where it had to kind of start. Like, I feel like if you're going to rely on your willpower, um, you might, it might be a year from now. It's like the whole Duolingo thing, right? I'm going to do mm-hmm. 15 minutes every day. Um, yeah, that's great if you can get that done, but if you're going to rely on your willpower, like there's a chance that's going to fall off eventually. Right. So, um, creating habits helps, but really I think committing yourself to where like, Oh man, I got this thing on my calendar that I need to go to now. Um, mm-hmm is going to make a big difference. Having that, that, um, that level of accountability is going to matter. Right. So getting involved in like the local, um, dev community, um, going to meetups, a lot of them are doing online right now. Mm-hmm. So Good. Getting, getting involved in that way, finding local, um, Slack channels, um, reaching out to somebody who's at a place where you want to be. Um, who maybe had a similar trajectory to what you see yourself doing and asking them for help, asking them to be your mentor. Um, you don't have to look for somebody who's like an expert in the field and knows everything. Nobody is that right. So just finding somebody who is um, where you want to be 
um, in the next year or two. Yeah. Is a, is a great way um, to find somebody to, to mentor you. Hmm. Um, and then I think also um, learning to be gracious with yourself through the uh, learning process. Like I mentioned before, there's just so many emotions that come with that, that, um, you know, learning that you're going to have frustration and you're going to need that extra push in order to be able to keep persevering through it and get to the, to the end of that loop. Right. Um, you need help with that. So absolutely, um, committing yourself and then, yeah, get in over your head. Who cares? Right. Um, so committing yourself, finding somebody who can be that sort of support for you are great ways to do that. Um, and then because everything is so incremental in terms of learning, I would also say start a brag book. So a, a what? Start, I, it, I like to call it a brag book. Hmm. So okay. Start, um, sort of logging like today I learned this today. Mm, I, I like that. Yeah, because over time, like, you can see the progress, and that's also going to help keep you um, motivated, right? Because it's so easy to forget, like, I didn't know how to do this a year ago. Yeah. And now I'm doing it, right? Now it's just, like, second nature. And, and that's also part of that loop of continuous yeah. learning um, is just becoming complacent with what you already know, right? So, um, yeah, I would, say, I would say those things, and practically, A, number one is get involved mm -hmm. in the community. I feel so like by that. definition, that's like option five. It's it, option five is saying yes and then figuring it out, right? Like you have right. to make that commitment, that decision to move forward. And then you go, I'm going to learn. And then yeah. we had a mentor, which actually it gave us very similar advice, which was for us. Um, I like your brag, brag book. I'm mm -hmm. going to use that. Um, he was like, take pictures. And um, this was more for the, the growth of our company. He mm -hmm. said, take pictures, which then we said, well, why don't we just turn it into a YouTube channel? And, um, because he said, you'll forget what you've learned over time yeah. or what, what it would look like when your company was only three people and now that it's 40. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that those same principles are right there. I love that. So yeah, good. it's really good. We forget too easily. And so I think even the, uh, having a brag book just to show how much progress you've made can maybe provide you that energy to keep moving forward when it does get to be like, Oh, this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's not something that I ever thought about, but I had somebody just recently tell me, yeah, like when you're not feeling motivated, just pull out that brag book and just like look through it, you know, like it's awesome. um, some people even write down compliments or like acknowledgements of, of their work. Um, and that, that serves that purpose. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, Wow, Gabby, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I think this has been really, really good. I love hearing, I would love to hear that you drank the Kool-Aid basically is what I, what I, what I want to get, what I want to get into. That's and I, really all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm excited to, to hear that you're passionate about this in a similar the way that Dan and I are. Um, and that even though you haven't spent a lot of time in the, I'm going to be honest, my camera is just falling over. I'm just going to have to lay it down. <laughs> Somehow the tripod just like started slipping this way. And the whole time I've just been like holding it up here. Um, sorry. Um, even though you haven't heard maybe the details of all the things that we've been thinking about within the framework and the, and the, the postures of trust and, and safety and humble confidence and collaboration and diverse perspectives or the, the disciplines of you know, even this, like writing something down to remind yourself to see the progress, to be constantly improving, to be retrospecting on your work. Everything you said is by definition what we're trying to wrap up into 
um, a very simple kind of litmus test for people, mm-hmm. which is to say, you can work this way. Right. Um, we can all do the best work of our lives right now in the face of a pandemic at a company that um, is trying to do good work. And I think that's, it's so encouraging to, to hear you, um, you preaching the same thing and, and believing it, um, which, is, which is really, really cool. So right. thank, you for, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate yeah. it. It's really good. Um, okay. So thank you everybody for, for listening again to another episode of Option 5. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the Option 5 YouTube channel. And I guess I'm supposed to tell you to like smash a like button or something. Um, but basically give us a like, drop us a comment below. If you have any questions for Gabby or for our, our development team uh, around how we use um, development to help our clients and ourselves thrive, and um, also, if you haven't already, share this with your coworkers, with your bosses, with your second cousins, um, and anyone else you want to. Don't forget the uh, second cousins. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm not really close with my second cousins, but I get forgotten this, all too often. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, but as always, thank you guys for listening. If you can, uh, oh, by the way, if you can, go to iTunes open it up. I don't care if you listen to podcasts on your iTunes, go to iTunes, open there because it's about the only place you can leave a real podcast review. The reviews matter to us. And so if you could give us a a five-star review and give us a little review there, that would help us out a lot. So the world knows that option five exists. Um, if you, um, no, I'm just gonna leave it that I could, I could say more, but again, I don't need to put more words out into the world, you know? So we'll, we'll just see you next time. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks, Thanks, Gabby, for joining us. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to see all the content that's coming. My name is Brandon Blackman. I'm a user-obsessed product manager with five years of experience in leading high-performing product teams. I am responsible for product planning, client and team relations, as well as long-term and short-term responsibilities for team members to reach their overarching goals throughout a product lifecycle. I mostly work with developers, designers, test engineers, and other team members on a daily basis. I enjoy working at Crema because it allows me to be on a team of individuals who know how to turn ideas into something real and tangible that a person can use to better their life. Option 5 is a podcast by Crema, a digital product agency that creates web and mobile apps for disruptive companies and industry leaders. We believe that design, technology, and culture can help create a world where individuals and companies thrive. Learn more at crema.us.